The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Damn, that's scary. Yeah, dude. So there's something I forgot to tell you. Oh, yeah? About, like, when we were hanging out last week when I was in the studio with you. Oh. And that's when you isolated the the actual audio of the ghost. Yeah. And you sent it to me. This one here. Uh, this, it, uh, this, this guy right here. Yeah, that one right there. Uh, well, the one that was in reverse, that he angers. Oh, this one. When you sent me that one, I, I listened to it. I was actually hiking with my dog, Yoshi. Oh. And we were on this trail... And I, I shit you not, a minute after listening to that, a fucking 100-pound Rottweiler came up. What? And just straight up mauled Yoshi. A demon dog. A de- and and then it, I punched the dog, and then it turned on me. What the fuck? Dude, this dog ripped the shit out of my hand. I mean, I can understand. You, you punch a beast, and it uh, will probably come after you. Did it I have mean, fire in its it, eyes? No, but I mean, like, look what happened to Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis got punched on the streets in New York City, and he didn't seek vengeance. I thought you were going to say, look what happened to him in Ghostbusters. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's well, real life is a lot more terrifying for uh, one Rick Moranis. Exactly, and it's a lot more terrifying for me as well, and you as well. Because, dude, I think we're de- we're dealing with more than just a ghost. I think we're dealing with Damien. I, I know his name haunted. is Larry Bird, but I think it might be a, a, a like a Pazuzu type thing where we're not dealing with Larry Bird. I think we're dealing with Damien from The Omen. Lawrence Damien Bird. That was, yeah, okay. Lawrence Damien Bird, LDB. We, we might have to look further into the archives of... Uh... Is it the, the Cummington School for Gifted Boys? Yeah, 1918 Cummington School of Gifted Boys with right. that that catacombs through, uh, that lead right to a Catholic church. We'll look through the class roster and find out if he had a middle name that may or may not have been Damien. Because, yeah, this little fucker, I think he's he's been causing some trouble in our lives lately. I actually, on the way uh, back from the studio, uh, when you were in town last week during your reassignment, I mean, I'm sure you remember, but I'm going to I'm going to recount this for the sake of the listeners. I actually got pulled over twice, not once, but twice, two separate occasions. And I haven't been pulled over in probably 10 years. And it happened twice in one night while leaving the studio after we fucked around with that Ouija board last week. Yeah, well, we shouldn't have fucked with it. Yeah, well, we were a little aggressive. Well, because you sucked the first cop's dick. I mean, naturally. And then I was like, no, Greg. I got this one, and I had to get cop number two. Well, that's what good friends do, man. You you split the suckings between police officers. <laughs> I split the difference with you. On a good night, you don't have to do it twice. And normally it's just a Rochambeau kind of situation. Because, like, yeah. if, if I get pulled over and it's like, hey, what are you going to blow? I'm going to be, like, the cop. <laughs> it's not exactly a point zero eight. Well, depends on the size of the cop, I guess. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn, damn, that's, that's scary. Damn, that's scary. Damn. We fucking killed that. Oh, we're so good at this. What is this, episode 666? Episode 66, and let me just say, anything less than the best is a felony. I'm Micah, that's Greg, how the hell is everyone doing? How you guys doing? Uh, I hope you didn't get ghosted like we did. Oh, man, don't you hate it when you get ghosted? Things are just going so well, then boom, they ghost you, man. 
Right. You think you're funny on Tinder. You think you got all the jokes, hot picks. You got the abs. You got the dogs. Yeah, you, you got the cool catchphrase. And then uh, something something just spooks them. Ghosted. It happens to the best of us, man. You know what? Hey. It might be that you just have no game, or it might be you're haunted by a little uh, bird, bird boy. Hey, man. I'm single, and I'm here to mingle and eat me some Pringles. You know what I'm saying? And occasionally suck off a police officer. <laughs> I mean, why not? Greg, what's going on, man? You check out anything new this week? Well, it's, you know, tis the season. I took a gander at a little movie called Silent Night, Deadly Night. The Hell yeah. I know you mentioned it, what was it, two weeks ago? Maybe yeah. Last week when you were here under sexual reassignment. But we already did kind of a brief review of it. It's an awesome movie, so I just have to go and check it out. And I got to say, holds up. It, you know what? Honestly, it does. It really does. How about you? Uh, I mean, not much. I went back and kind of got into the Evil, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead series, uh, checking that out. I've been checking out that Witcher season two. I've heard good things. It's awesome. I don't know how the fuck the music from this show is better than like anything out right now. Is it like a Lord of the Rings kind of uh, orchestral score? Uh, there's a uh, a bard, and he sings uh, songs about the Witcher, and it's just fucking great, dude. Oh, a glee. So the, yeah, the first season, there was a song called Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, and that song was a jam. Try to this get it season, right in the coin slot? You gotta get it right in there. Oh, valley of plenty, my friend. How do you feel about Smooth Criminal? Love it. Might be the most epic coin toss scene in all music video history. Well, because it's coming at you, but then it goes behind him. And it lands in the fucking jukebox. Of course. And I don't think he even practiced that. I think he just innately knew how to do that. Well, when you have sex with as many kids as Michael Jackson did, you you get these strange powers. <laughs> you know how to entertain them with... With, with coin-operated amusements. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big hit at the Chuck E. Cheese. So, season two of The Witcher has a song called Burn, Butcher, Burn, and fucking A, man, that song is a banger. You gotta check it out. Are these, like, do they play out the whole song during the episode, or how does it work? Oh, yeah! Really? So you just, you're kind of sitting there just, just listening to somebody singing? Yeah, but it fucking rocks! Like, what's going on during the music? Is it, like, drinking? Uh, Everybody's, everyone's at, like, the tavern. He's walking around, entertaining, singing his fucking uh, shit, strumming his guitar. He's got a band behind him. Everybody's, like, like, all the chicks with their big boobs just flopping everywhere. Everyone's drinking. So this came out just recently, right? Like, I want to say, like, last week, two weeks ago? Last week, yeah. I don't know if anyone out there has been keeping up with the Amazon Wheel of Time series. From what I've heard, I, I think Witcher 2 is kind of outdoing it at everything that it does. My dad has been watching The Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a little bit of it. But did you read the, the, the books at all? No, I thought you did, though, right? Not all of them. I mean, there, I think there's 14. Okay. I read the first couple. And the, the, the show doesn't follow it exactly. It, it sort of streamlines things a little bit. And I got to say, I'm, I'm not super into it like i do like the book series and i plan on continuing it but i i, I kind of dropped off of the show i, I just didn't care for it the show kind of feels like something from the sub cw yeah it's it's got a, like a i don't know it's got a low quality vibe to it yeah yeah man it, it, it almost feels like uh like i said like a cw show but it kind of has like uh, i don't know how to it, this is a bad comparison but 
I feel like I'm watching a fucking Twilight movie. I feel like I'm watching the worst parts of Game of Thrones. Okay. You know? Very good. Very good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it since we are a a spooky podcast. Yeah, we're a horror podcast, which I'm going to stray away from horror even more. I would like to just get my opinion out there just on the official record. I would like to de-recommend Amazon's Wheel of Time series. It sucks. I gotta recommend Witcher season two. Uh, yes, and that's that's what I hear from everybody so far. There is a very good blend of practical special effects mixed with CGI. Yeah, it's perfect. It's it's like there is a eighty percent prosthetics, and then they fill in the gaps with CGI. And that the guy who plays Jermaine uh, Superman, he's fucking he's Geralt, a much better actor than anyone would ever expect. What did you say, Geralt? What did I say? Jermaine. Jermaine? Like, like Jermaine Stewart. Like Jermaine Jackson. <laughs> it's the most famous of the Jacksons. He's my favorite. Well, my favorite's LaToya. I'm sorry, Tim. LaToya had that song, Centipede. 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 Yeah, not uh, the most musically talented of the family. No, no, that, but, you know, I mean, Jermaine's a close second. But, uh, dude, Witcher Season 2 is fucking great. Check it out, it's, everybody. It's, it's got so ghosts, good. it's got goblins, it's got ghouls. Probably a husk or two. If you enjoy our show, you know that that's big. Oh yeah, there's a lot of husk. Sexy vampire maidens. Uh, I think yeah, like a sorceress. It's got a it's got a real kind of Conan the Barbarian vibe. Oh yeah, man, and also uh, Tormund uh, is in this uh, season too. Yeah, and he loves breast milk. God so, damn it, especially giant breast milk. Yeah, and he carries that over to this series. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I, he yeah, he actor. does actually. Like, he he ad libbed that whole thing about the titty milk. Yeah, because it's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they hire him for things. Yeah, his mom breastfed him till he was 38. That's why the hair comes out that color. Red? Too much breastfeeding. You haven't heard that? No, I, I don't know if that's real. That's how people develop uh, red hair. It's when they breastfeed uh, for years longer than the average individual. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense considering, like, there's people I know that have a red-headed kid, but they're both, like, they both have, like, brown hair or some and shit. And they're always complaining about how sore their nipples are. Yep. Yeah. Especially the dad. Yeah, it all adds up. It does. You, know, you ginger kids, you try to you try to suck the souls out of your parents' tits, and it just <laughs> it just drains you know, yours. They they got to stop you at some point. So it's, it's for the good of the nation. Ugh. Uh, to stray away from horror a little bit, I got to get this off my fucking chest. I I went on HBO Max. Rolling segways on the show. We're so good at it. I went on HBO Max and I checked out the new Matrix movie. Okay. My God. I think I understand. What a fucking pile of shit! Can I ask you just one important question? What? Did uh, Keanu Reeves do a flip at any point? Like a slow-mo flip? Dude! I can't... Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, Like more than one? He did a couple of them. Okay, did he shoot a gun while he was doing the flip? Yeah, of course he did. Did you get to see the bullet move in slow motion? Oh, yeah, yeah, they had that, too. Okay, all right. Uh, they had a... uh, uh promising, honestly. No, it wasn't. Oh. Uh, it, they tried to be really meta, and they really tried to play on uh, nostalgia, which I like nostalgia, but, I mean, save that for the movies that are from, like, the 80s and shit, or the 90s. Save it for fucking Bill and Ted, you know? I was just going to say, how, how much does this have in common with Bill and Ted uh, Save the Universe or whatever? It's, it's basically the fucking same thing. They were just yeah. playing on their old jokes and just, shit. Just threw a little John Wick in the middle of it. 
there was some John. That's the thing too. Uh, Neo is John Wick, but you know, in the when he's in the Matrix, he's straight up John Wick. I kind of feel like you know, since this is an obvious parallel, people are going to draw. John Wick kind of made the Matrix movies obsolete. Yes, by just being better at acting. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. John Wick doesn't need the Matrix to fucking flip and fly all over the place and you know tactical reload while rolling across somebody's spine he's just awesome and uh the plot is not overly complicated and full of uh you know the directors putting their heads up each other's asses which Dude. happened with the matrix and also the thing is is like the matrix is all about breaking through and uh you know everything's an illusion we gotta fight the machines john wick simples it down to the fact that you go on a fucking murder spree because your dog got killed we don't need to hear anybody fucking preaching about existentialism we just want to see people get shot in slow motion yeah dude greg there is a fucking 15 minutes of the movie that is all meta it's like yeah. this very long montage where, like, they have a... It's the actor from Mindhunter, the younger FBI agent. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's with Keanu, and he starts... Keanu Reeves is working for a video game company, and it turns out the Matrix movies, he turned into video games. Oh. The story and everything. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, Neil Patrick Harris... Uh, resurrected because Neo and Trinity they died in the last Matrix movies. Hey, 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 hey! Spoilers, man. What? What? Some of us haven't seen the Matrix Revolutions yet. I uh, did the, the the old ones. Well, the third one. Yeah, the third one. Everybody knows that Neo and Trinity die. Mm, I don't know, man. It's a twenty-year-old movie. It's, it's relative. It's all relative. Fuck off, we spoil everything on this show. Okay, yeah, they both die at the end of the third movie. Also, Yeah, they're dead, the they're gone, movie. so Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie, he finds a way to resurrect the dead, hold on, and hold keeps on, them... Real quick. Does he have a cool Matrix name? Uh, the architect... Is, is he called, like, the Codex? No, he's like the architect or something, or the arbiter, I can't fucking the remember. arbiter, that's badass. Yeah, sure! I knew he'd have a good name. You have to. Yeah... There's two rules if you're ever going to enter the Matrix. You need a cool code name that sounds like something kind of like computery, but also like sort of mystical. Yeah, you know, like, like Agent Smith. Yeah, well, yeah. And then two, you need just a full head-to-toe leather outfit that's either solid white or solid black. And then, uh, yep. you know, maybe two matching guns. You can't have one gun. You have, to have at least two that match one in each hand. And I feel like you got to listen to a lot of Rammstein. Or a little bit of Rage Against the Machine. I think they had a they had a theme going there for a while. Well, I think it's Rage Against the Machine mixed with like Skrillex. Because it's like because it's a computer movie. Yeah, it's got to sound like computers. Got to sound you like gotta a, have computers. Got to sound it. like a like a 14k modem connecting you to AOL. Oh, dude! And they brought back characters not from the first movie, but from the sequels that like even I nobody like, remembers or cares. I about. could, dude. It took like. Do you remember the French guy from? Uh, one of the I don't know what sequel yeah, the it was. Merovingian? Yeah, the guy that that that. See, you remember? I don't uh, know why. I cannot tell you why I remember that. Yeah, how the fuck did you remember the name? Honestly, I have something to confess to you. Uh, the Matrix Two is my favorite movie. I'm not surprised. Uh, I like the action. D- yeah, that, that 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 French guy that made the girl eat the cake that gave her an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Which right? is weird because they're computers. It's important to the plot. 
Oh my god, I hated that One so much. One of the many much. things that make the sequel so great uh, is there's all these awesome side plots that really like take you away from the action that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I, I'm man. getting tired of all this Matrix and these Matrix movies. What I really want to see is relationship problems between a French guy <laughs> and a woman. <laughs> Hugo Weaving does not return as Agent Smith at all. He was probably, yeah. he was smart about that, and I have a feeling that Lawrence Fishburne kind of sat this one out too, didn't he? He sat it out, and but they kept Morpheus. And they had another black guy play him, uh, but it turns out he was a computer program from the video game that Mister Anderson fucking made, and somehow he slipped into the real world. It's all very convoluted, dude. How funny would it have been if they just had a white guy playing Morpheus? But <laughs> 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 they just never mention it. Just play it They're straight. Gonna... They're going to start treating it like a fucking Doctor Who. They're going to have an old British guy play him in the next movie. <laughs> it's like a Scottish guy. Somebody <laughs> somebody with an odd accent, just so it's as, as different from Lawrence Fishburne as you can possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> like a Japanese guy. Yeah, why not? But yeah, dude, there's like a 15-minute scene where it's all meta, and like Dirk's talking about Warner Brothers and how they want another sequel, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I know you only wanted to do a, tri- a trilogy. They were trying to be all meta. Well, you know and... what they say. When, uh, when a film or game or any media goes that meta with their plot, yeah, it means they know that the audience is going to hate it, so they're trying to like to make it so overt and so in your face that it's like, yeah, we know this sucks. We get it. The joke's on everyone. You know, we're not we're not trying to pass this off as quality, and they're like winking at you with it. Yeah, but. Yeah. We all know what it is. It's half-assed. It's bullshit. <clears throat> like, Kevin Smith has been doing that for fucking years. Yeah. Well, Kevin Smith kind of realized he couldn't keep making the movies he was making. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm glad he moved on because some of his weirder, like, horror-type stuff is some of his best work. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's, but it's like forever. It's... Red State is incredible. Red State is his best, dude. Yeah. Uh, I know Red State and Tusk are, like, considered, like, his, like, top movies. and Tusk gave me a hard-on like you wouldn't believe. I I mean I'm a fan of Dogma too, but well yeah, well, that's there's there's that's the older era. That's older Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin Smith, I feel like when he lost the weight, he lost his passion of making good films. Well, I think his older stuff. Not to go off on a tangent here, his older stuff was very time and place. It was '90s stoner. Uh, we can make a lot of gay jokes in these movies, and he smartly realized yeah. this. I can't do this my whole career. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna have to PC it up a little bit. And it's probably for the best because they, I got to say, like, I love Dogma. I love Mallrats. But that formula was getting a little stale. By the time uh, Jane Silent Bob returned, it was kind of like, all right, let's wrap this up. Oh, God, that was bad. That that newest one. Oh, my God. I get you're trying to turn your daughter into a fucking, you're trying to give her work, but, gee, she's terrible. Oh, yeah. Do not shove your daughters down down our fucking throats, dude. Was she in that Matrix movie? Uh, yeah, she plays Neo. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. She plays, she's the new Agent Smith. See, I think too, fucking Hugo Weaving wasn't in it. Which is, I mean, an oversight. You had, dude, it's more than an oversight. You had somebody else playing the main villain. You know they offered him a lot of money. Oh, yeah. The script versus the money offered did not equate to making a movie for Hugo Weaving. And he, I, I don't think he's real busy lately. No, the last thing I think he was in was like one of those Hobbit movies. But yeah, 
I know, like, they tried saying something about, like, scheduling conflicts, but the movie was filmed during the pandemic, and it's mm-hmm. like, there's nothing else really going on. It's so until, not like... It's easy to shoot a movie during a pandemic, but, the, like, a Matrix sequel has got to be a lot of just green screen, right? The whole movie's in front of a green screen. Yeah, it has to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'd love to believe that we're, you know, technologically at that point where we can, like, do that stuff in real life. But, um, yeah, speaking of, there is a, a Matrix VR game that kind of looks incredible. Not to you... go too far into this, uh, into this direction, but. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I consider the Matrix a, a form of horror. I mean, it's machines. It's as scary as Terminator, of us. at least. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be put in a pod and sucked of my essence. Well, <laughs> maybe I do. Yeah. It depends on the robot. Yeah, right? It's got to be one of those fucking hot sex box from Futurama. From Austin Powers. Ooh, yeah. How come I like dystopias don't include that kind of stuff? You know, I can deal with like a, a Children of Men esque dismal future society as long as there is uh, robots sucking our dicks. Yeah, just give me a little, yeah. little robot suck. I would put a quarter in a machine if it was going to suck my dick. If it was a really shitty, janky robot, basically like the vibrating bed version of yes. a blowjob robot. I yeah, they have them at like truck stop gas stations. Yeah, it's just it's a glory hole that just shakes. But you got to put a quarter in. Yeah, why not? We'd all do it. Yeah, you just put it in. It's just that's the Matrix movie I want to see, folks. Put it in slow motion, and you know what? It probably already exists on Pornhub. It's out there. I mean, people are fucking those Lars and the Real Girl dolls. So those what? Those Lars and the uh, the Real Girl. Lars? You didn't see that movie? Lars like Larry? No, yeah, Lars. Lars like Lars Ulrich. Lars and the Real Girl. It was uh, Ryan Gosling was in this movie where he's a weirdo and he he falls in love with a sex doll. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, then it like gets COVID and dies, and they have like the whole town as a funeral for it. It's fucking weird. Oh, good, just like real life in twenty twenty one. Yeah. All right, man. I don't want to talk about the Matrix anymore. No, it was neither. depressing. It bummed me out. Okay. I want to turn the attention right now to an, the the never fucking ending saga, the fucking battle for the rights of the Friday the 13th franchise between Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Oh my god, please tell me there's some progress. So Larry Zerner, for those of you that don't know who Larry Zerner is, Larry Zerner actually played Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3. He was the kid with the fro that uh, was playing pranks on everybody and couldn't get laid to save his life. Yeah. Larry Zerner's Twitter handle is at Zerner Law because he is a fucking attorney right now. Just like Chunk. Just like Chunk. This is kind of confusing, so I'm just going to straight up... Now, I know you have a background in law, Greg. Uh, So I'm going to read these tweets, and then I want you to kind of explain to me what is going on, okay? All right, you want to give my my legal opinion? I I need your... Yeah, I need Greg Law. Okay. Sobchak and Sobchak, I believe, is the, the law firm you own, right? Yeah, Double Jack. So he tweeted, "It's four, this was today. Uh, today is in December 29th. Uh, it's 4 p.m. and I still don't see a cert petition filed with the Supreme Court in the Friday the 13th case. What does this mean? Well, it means the case is officially over and Victor Miller owns the rights to his screenplay Friday the 13th, but only in the U.S. 
However, the fact that he didn't file a cert petition makes it slightly more likely that the parties are working out a resolution. But I wouldn't hold my breath. Can Victor and Sean just each make their own separate movies? Not really, because Victor only owns U.S. rights and only to the first script. Okay? Okay. Sean Cunningham owns adult hockey mask wearing Jason, but can't legally use him in a movie without Victor's permission. It's complicated. Okay. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, cert petition essentially means hand job. This is legal shorthand. Um, this means that the plaintiff and the jury have been arguing over which side they're going to use, whether it's going to be a double handy, whether it's going to be a left or righty. They want to know if you're going to go dominant or if you're going to go offhand. Okay, this is usually, that makes this sense. Is a, this is a big deal because one generally takes longer, costs a little more than the other. And um, by resolution, mm-hmm. I think we can just assume what we're getting at there, right? The end, end but, product. Um, yeah, this this doesn't happen the same for everyone. It doesn't uh, doesn't occur at the same pace, okay, as everyone. So there, it seems like they're having a little bit of a uh, little bit of a legal squabble there. But if you want to get straight down to the brass tacks on the copyright, it it's it's essentially like a team effort. Twelve on twelve, the angriest of angry men just yeah. run at each other. They try to convert that thirteenth guy from the other side just by grabbing cocks and just fucking pulling at him. It's like those um, concerts where the lead singer tells you, I want all of you on this side, all of you on that side. When I yes. drop my hand, you guys run to the center. A certifiable walls of death, but in a courtroom. And with cock. Yes, everybody has their pants down. So it's, okay. not, it's not quite such a run as it is a shuffle. And uh, naturally, they don't generally allow video feeds for this kind of court situation. Okay. Because the judge has to focus very intently. We don't have the video feeds, but they always have that person in the courtroom drawing it, right? Yeah, they have the drawer. They have the stenographer. And really... Stenographer! That's what they are. The stenographer probably has the best job out of all of this because it's a whole lot of onomatopoeia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that can be be fun. Okay, very good. So uh, what do we got next? Let's see here. I guess my my thing is, with the confusion, is, is that... Victor Miller has the rights to Friday the 13th, the original. Mm-hmm. So can he remake, reboot, sell it, whatever, just the original script? But can you have Jason Voorhees in it? Can you even mention Jason Voorhees? Well, this is different depending on which jurisdiction you're in. In the United States, you're not allowed okay. to do that. But in Canada, if you put certain parts of the film in French you can easily get away with a little bit of copyright infringement. What I'm confused by that, though, Greg, is that Victor Miller owns the right to his screenplay, but only in the U.S. Well, it's natural for you to be confused. You're not a lawyer like I am. I Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I didn't go to I didn't go to 12 years of uh, law uh, at, like you at, did. At Gudger College? Yeah. <laughs> it's all very simple. It's all very simple. I don't know, man. It's still kind of confusing to me. It kind of sounds like... Sean Cunningham wants to push forward with another Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees. He's going to have to uh, lube up for that cert petition. Okay, got it. Yeah. It's all very confusing. It sucks so much. It's the reason why we haven't had a Friday the 13th since 2009. It's a reason why the video game is put to a fucking end. Based Uh, on my understanding of law, I can see why he'd be very eager for a resolution. Yeah, you get jerked off. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I say 
Jason Voorhees, and anytime you say it, or Friday the 13th, we have to jerk off Victor Miller. Oh, you got to jerk somebody off. Otherwise, it's copyright infringement. Yeah. So you're really, uh, you're really smart. Yeah, it's just the law. Well, I guess in other news, it seems that uh, the MCU is going forward with Ghost Rider. Oh, good. I only mentioned Ghost Rider because he's he's spooky, he's scary, whatever. We kind of strayed away from horror a lot so far this episode. Well, we're still, uh, still kind of talking about ghosts, right? Yeah, ghost, ghost. And I don't mean Ghost Rider, that fun little ball of fucking shit that used to solve all those mysteries with those annoying teens uh, back on the PBS days. I'm talking uh, Ghost Rider, the fucking spooky guy on the motorcycle with the flaming skull head. Yeah, the guy with the chains and the fire and the, uh, the motorcycle. <laughs> it turns out Norman Reedus is uh, in talks to play as Ghost Rider in the MCU because... Well, he can just do anything, can he? I, I, you know what, apparently, man. Norman, Norman Reedus had an okay career, and then he fell into The Walking Dead, and he became uh, uh, a heartthrob. Well, he kind of became uh, a superstar from Walking Dead. Oh, Definitely. We thought he was cool because of, you know, Boondock, Boondock Saints. Saints and uh, a couple other things here and there. He popped up in Cigarette Burns. He's been around. He's done some things. Yeah, but Walking Dead is what made him a made man. Here's uh, the question. Yes. Do you think his approach will be at all similar to Nicolas Cage's? Actually, I was going to bring that up, Greg, and I'm going to say no. Oh, you're probably right. Because Nicolas Cage is fucking Nicolas Cage. He's out of his mind. As a matter of fact, I fucking forgot to bring that up. I watched the movie uh, with Nicolas Cage and Bill Mosley, oh. uh, Prisoners of a Ghostland. How was it? I can't tell you if I liked it or not, man. Well, what was it's, what, it's, what is it, a ghostland, first of all? I can't explain any of this movie. Is it like uh, Saturn from Beetlejuice? No. No. Oh. I can't, I, I, you have to watch it. Our fans have to watch it. You have to make your own assumption. I cannot explain this movie. I have to say Nick Cage with his like lower budget kind of indie horror stuff has been killing it lately. It, it was, it was very entertaining, but. Between uh, like Mandy and uh, Color Out of Space and like, he's been doing some interesting stuff. And that, that other thing where it was basically Five Nights at Freddy's, but with Nick Cage. Oh yeah. It was not great, but. It was okay. It was fun. It was was that Willy's, Willy's Wonderland or some shit? Yeah, Willy's Wank House. It was okay, but you're going to have a movie with Nicolas Cage and he's not going to have any fucking lines in it? Come on. It's all expression, you know? I'm going to say, watch that movie. Greg, watch that movie. Listeners, watch the movie. It was very entertaining, but yeah. I... To try to explain the movie, my nose will start to bleed. Okay. It's one of those you just kind of have to see. Just fucking watch it, man. That's all I gotta say. All right, I will, and let you know what I think of it. Yeah, and uh, I hope everyone had a merry fucking Christmas. Uh, NECA is releasing a Krampus action figure. Also, a happy Kwanzaa and an enjoyable Hanukkah. Yeah, sure, that too. But back on this Krampus, man. Krampus, the Christmas demon. Oh yes, yes, the Christmas demon. I think he said the Christmas Stephen. Like Steven Seagal. Sure. I'm pretty sure he's a Buddhist. <laughs> I think I think he did that at one point in his life. He said that, boy, I kind of look like Buddha now. I should be a Buddhist. Yeah, and that's when he decided to be a cop. Now that I'm nice and fat. I'm fat enough to patrol around in a car and not really do anything. Real anti-Chuck Norris. Yeah, I think, was that in, like, New Orleans? 
Where, where was uh, Super uh, Skull? Fuck, dude. I don't know. Like, Chuck Norris at least did that shit in Texas, like, yeah. for real. Hawaii is dog's territory. I'll, I, I'm pretty sure the dog runs every island in Hawaii. He has some um, weird mystical power where he's able to be present on everyone at all times, too. Yeah, and dude, back. since he's lost his big titty bitch Beth, he is just out for blood. He he made a pact with Pele at one point. Yes, yes. Um, that gives him supernatural powers. Yeah. He had to pay in tits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now he's he's basically a uh, he's a bounty demon. <laughs> <laughs> Good old BD. Yeah, with a mullet of flame. That's extra scary to me. All right, so let's conclude. Manager month. Let's put a nail in the coffin. It's been two months of fun. I'm talking we covered Ravenous. We did. We covered Texas Chainsaw, the next generation. The best one. Shit, man. Frontiers again. We did Nightmare City. We did everyone's favorite sequel, Bud the Chud. Sure. We packed a lot of episodes into this fucking Maneater month. Oh, you know why? We did two months. But now we got one more, and yep. we saved our favorite cannibal movie for last. It is the best for last. You want to know why? Why? Because it's kind of, but not really, Tro March. 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 Yeah, but it's, it's December. Oh, I hurt my throat on that. Yeah. I feel like we haven't chanted in a while, so I just wanted to bring that back, you know? I'm so happy you did. I actually forgot that we used to chant on this show. I, I think people liked our chanting. I think we have to chant more to keep the fucking ghost demon in the studio at bay. We kind of, yeah, it's it's sort of like a tribal thing. It's like a dominance thing. I mean, we burned a bunch of sage last week. Yeah, and I think it didn't work. I'm going to burn no. something else. I'm gonna, before I leave tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start something else on fire, just to be sure. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Something somebody else owns. Just Burn to- some of that fucking asbestos in that place. Yeah, I'm going to breathe it in just so I can really become a ghost myself. <laughs> That's how it works, right? <laughs> no, gonna, you're not allowed to be dead yet. I can't do the show on my own. I'm going to fight that little kid on his own terms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die of asbestos poisoning. Just go beat up a little kid ghost. That's why he said he angers. Oh, yeah, he's he's angry because I keep insulting him. I'm pretty sure of that. Let me tell you, Larry, it ain't going to end anytime soon. I am going to shit on you for the rest of my life. And I know you've got a lot of time. Yes. I hope that doesn't make you nervous, but I'm in opposition to this ghost. I declare myself your enemy, sir. (laughs) We're going to fight. We're going to compete for dominance of this studio. We'll see who comes out on top. I've got the sage. I've got the moonstones. I Ouija board the shit out of this place. Basically, what I'm saying is if you guys, um, if you hear of my untimely demise uh, within the next week, you know exactly why. It's because I pissed off this little ghost. But I guess it's time, uh, before we actually get in the movie, to apologize. Mm, this again, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, we kind of skipped it last week. but You know what? That's okay. Last week when we, when we explored the catacombs mm-hmm. uh, and we were talking to uh, uh, little Larry... On the Ouija board, Larry Bird. I actually want to come clean. I have a confession to make. Okay, what did you do? All right. So we found out that the ghost was actually a young boy that was put into a cage, right? Yes. When you weren't looking, uh, I really had to pee. Oh, I was looking. Oh! Yeah. Is that why you made eye contact with me and you were licking your lips? Yeah, did you did you notice that? 
I did, but I peed in the little Larry's cage. Yeah. His bird cage. I mean, it's probably fine, right? Like you, you if you pee oh, yeah, on a, I, if you pee on a burial ground, it's not like an insult, right? I no, I think it is. Oh. Uh, Shit. So I want to apologize to the ghost okay. uh, for peeing in his uh, home, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think one way to put the demon at rest is to salt and burn that birdcage that he lived in. Oh, you want to go down there and, and set his final resting place on fire? Yeah, but we need salt, mm. and then we burn it. Mm. Okay, you're, so so you're, you're questioning the salt content of your piss. I, that's what I hear. I have a very high alkaline piss ratio to acidity. All right, so we're, I think step one is done then. Yeah. So we so just, just light fire. it up. Yeah, light gonna... it up. We're going to burn this fucker down. Larry's got to be cleansed. Yes. Do you have anything you want to uh, get off your chest, buddy? I do, actually, and it's also kind of along the same lines. Okay. And, um, I know I tend to belabor these things, so I'm going to make this a quick one. I have to apologize, not to little Larry Bird, because I do hate you and I think you're an asshole. <laughs> um, that I, I stand firm on. But um, I'm going to apologize to all of, not just our fans, but our goth adult fans. I know you're, you know, you're, you're keeping that movement alive, and Satan bless you for it. Last week, as you may remember, we we did a little bit of, uh, I'm going to call it fucking around with the Ouija board. And okay, I'm an idiot, so you know I confidently walked into this shit thinking I know all the correct terminology and, you know, acting like I'm some kind of expert just because I talked to uh, a ghostologist. So I, um, you know, mistakenly referred to some of the Ouija board equipment by the wrong name. I called okay. it a planchette, which is, I mean, <laughs> what the hell, right? Like, what kind of an idiot would have, would make that mistake? It's the it's fuck obviously is a planchette. Yeah, it's obviously a plantain, right? Like I looked it up, yeah, I checked the it's internet. It's a fucking plantain. I talked to everybody, I talked to all my goth adult friends. It's a plantain. I I shouldn't have uh I shouldn't have been so headstrong. I shouldn't have been so overconfident. But I just I wanted to sound smart, man. I wanted to look good in front of the ghost. I yeah. know. Um so just as a correction, just just to set the record straight, just so nobody complains, just so nobody sends us emails anymore. We've already gotten several of them. I read your texts, and yes, I ghosted you because I thought it would be funny. I thought it would be topical. But yeah, we know, we get it. It's <laughs> we understand. So from here on Yeah, it's a fucking plantain. Um, every time we we Ouija in this studio, I'll make sure I get it right. Plantain, 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 plantain. Planchette is something you wear. It's something you you fry up in in a, a South American dish, sometimes dried, sometimes served as a side. Uh, it's it's akin to a it's kind of like a banana, but it's a little more bitter. That's what a planchette is. Wow, it's a peelable bitter fruit that summons demons. No, that's that's a plantain. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, planchette is totally different. I gotta tell you. The planchette plantain debate is up there as most as, as confusing to me as the fucking Friday the Thirteenth trial. All right. See, my my legal expertise doesn't go towards South American fruit. Yeah. It's more about Canadian hand jobs. What about South American Jason Voorhees? Got to be honest, my knowledge of law, it's pretty specific. Can I be honest with you for a moment? 
Yes, sir. I uh, photoshopped my degree. Ah! I put it in a dollar store frame. Okay. And hung it proudly on the wall in my mom's bathroom. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So anytime she has company over, she's like, check it out. This is my son. He's a lawyer. Yeah, go take a big shit and admire my son's work. But never speak to him because he'll probably mention hand jobs. (laughs) (laughs) I embarrass her constantly. Well, um, so there's my apology, assholes, you goth adults. Yeah, and just so you don't complain about anything else, we remembered the Moonstones. And also, for our goth adults, go back to episode 16, which might be our best episode yep. when we covered Blair Witch 2. The fucking book of who gives a shit. The bookening. Which they forgot about. Alright, so let's say fuck all that shit. We're going to conclude Maneater Month. Maneater Month. It's fucking trauma. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, 1993. We're going back to Trey Parker's directorial debut, loosely based on a true story. I am talking about Cannibal the Musical. And I just have to mention, because it's super fun little fact, Trey Parker and I share the same birthday. Oh, no shit. Yeah, different years, but October 19th. He was born in 69. A little bit more entertaining than my uh, my measly 84. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. We celebrate the birthday on the same day. These guys, of course, uh, I'm sure everybody listening knows they're responsible for not just South Park, but basketball, Orgasmo, which is incredible. Team America. great. Putting South Park aside, because everybody loves South Park, Cannibal the Musical and Orgasmo, I, I, I would say, are their two best ones i mean yeah we all love south park we know south park south park is here to stay it's not fucking going anywhere it's timeless it's a slice of americana for pop culture the fact that south park is around for fucking 23 seasons it's just it's fucking untouchable and there's still i i feel like south park is the last like the last little grasp of what we have on to sanity in this country the bastion of good comedy yes to where it's it's still around, it's not quote-unquote canceled. Well, for years uh, and years and years, people have referred to South Park as, like, the uncancelable, like, the untouchable. They're, they're so non-PC, but they're so good at it that they just, they get away with it and continue yes, to. We need it, and it's all we fucking have left when it comes to that type of humor. Their formula is impeccable because they just, they make fun of the news every week. Something turn, that is a week. They turn the news into a metaphor. Yes. And use that as their weekly episode with their, their established characters. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, man. But uh, this it... film is where it all started. And this was back when Trey Parker was just still attending college at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Just a lowly film student trying to make his, uh, make his name. And he yeah. decided to take this local legend, the story of Alfred, a.k.a. Alfred Packer, who is a uh, he's a cannibal. He's also a bit of a local legend over there. They got a hold of Lloyd Kaufman for distribution, who suggested that they call it Cannibal rather than Alfred Packer, the musical. That's awesome. Because it was a little bit more uh, mainstream, and he thought well, that the general audience might not know who Alfred Packer was. I didn't know who he was. Uh, most people who didn't go to uh, University of Colorado at Boulder probably did not. Yeah. He was he was a very very small uh very specific local legend. 
But I have to say, this is a very, this is a surprisingly accurate retelling of the crimes and trial of legendary Colorado cannibal Alfred Packer. Yeah. Um, he is rumored to have changed his name. I keep saying Alfred. I keep saying Alfred. I'm going to interchange that through this entire episode. The same. But the, there's actually a funny story behind that. Nobody really knows what his real birth name was. But the rumor is that he changed his name from Alfred to Alfred in order to coincide with a misspelled tattoo that he got on his arm at a certain point in his life. What? Yeah. So he he has the name Alfred. Right? Wow. Yeah. And right under it, it says no regrets. <laughs> in it, because I'm funny and I know tattoo jokes like that. <laughs> uh, God, I feel like such an asshole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is a, that is, um, I don't even want to say it's a fact, but it's a rumor that he, uh, he started going by Alfred because he got a bad tattoo. That's funny that you say that he changed his name there too, because uh, I will get to the story while I was recovering the movie, mm-hmm. but Alfred or Alfred Packer, when he was in hiding after the crimes that were committed, he was hiding under the alias of John Schwartz. If his name was Alfred Packer and he, he was hiding under the name Alfred Packer. <laughs> like they'll never get me (laughs) that's like a pony boy fucking dyeing his hair blonde right exactly yeah right (laughs) someone told me to stay gold so i really took that to heart (laughs) a karate kid told me to stay gold so i did (laughs) so parker called himself john schwartz uh and he was uh apparently hiding out as a jewish man in another uh another city and schwartz was like the 1800s version of john smith Yes. So Trey Trey Parker, uh, he's actually credited in the movie as Juan Schwartz. Incredible. As uh, as kind of a play on this. And that's that brilliant, I don't give a fuck South Park humor that everybody loves. Normally when guys are young like that and they want to make a movie, they have such a big fucking ego yeah. that they, uh, they take the Glenn Danzig approach and they put their fucking name all over everything. Oh, yeah, they named their band after their last name. (laughs) Oh, yeah, just like Dio. Yeah, this is Parker the Musical. (laughs) Underlying behind the the whole plot, too, uh, which we'll we'll definitely get into when it becomes relevant, this whole thing was sort of a fuck you to his his ex-fiance. Yes! Do you want to talk about that now? No, we'll get there when we get there, because it's sort of... There's certain scenes throughout the film that kind of accentuate that, but... You know, he was he was trying to make his first movie. He, was, he he wanted to do this legend, but he absolutely was like he had been spurned and he wanted everybody to know it. Yep. He did it in a way where he gets slightly emo at certain points, but in a way where he's still fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. It, it, a little emo, but still all humor. Also, the thing about that that I really appreciate about this movie, too, is that this was a three minute movie trailer. It was a three-minute movie trailer. They were all like, you know, it was for a film class, whatever. And then they ended up raising, because they they were really pushing this uh, three-minute trailer to investors, people that, uh, you know, some of the the professors at the college and stuff, the professors at the college, they helped them get other money people involved in it. And they were able to raise $125,000. They made a demo. And then they raised the money to do the the full album. I respect that so fucking much. To the yep. extreme. They fucking, they did it right and they killed it. And Absolutely. They found, uh, they found Lloyd Kaufman. They got the distribution. 
and uh, the rest is history. So, without further ado, how would you like to get into our cast of characters? I would love nothing more than to get into our cast of characters, Greg. All right, let's do it, fuckface. First off, we've got Alfred Packer, the titular cannibal from Cannibal the Musical. Yes! He is a trail guide. He's a horse lover. He is emotionally vulnerable. And uh, he is an incredible singer. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot more to him, but we'll we'll get to that as we go, because he's kind of our main guy. He is our cannibal. But next up, we have Polly Fry, who is a sympathetic reporter, a fancy dresser. She's an inquisitive mind and a dutiful listener. And uh, she is sort of the, uh, she's the character who kind of redeems Alfred. Yes. He's not just a cannibal. She's the one that kind of understands him and gets his story. And really, if, if this is written slightly differently, she, she could have been sort of a narrator to this whole thing. because She's the bookended framework of it in, includes both her and Alfred doing sort of an interview. Yeah. Like um, interview with a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same kind of deal. Um, same concept, basically. So then next up, we have Mr. Binger, who is the prosecuting attorney. He is a ruthlessly principled, lecherous pervert. He's an alcoholic wiener. And he is the closest thing to a villain that we have in this movie. Uh, and again, he kind of only occurs in the bookended scenes. More importantly, we have Matt Stone, who plays Matt Stone. And if you've seen any of their other films, he is this character in every single every one of them. Every movie. And it never gets old because he is just a funny motherfucker. And he's so good at it. It's like yes. what Adam Sandler should be. So he plays a minor. An excitable idiot, a chronic liar, he's a shitty cook, but he loves fudge. <laughs> it's fudge, Packer. I'll never get, never get tired of that joke. When was the last time you heard somebody actually use that term? It really, oh. you can't say it anymore. And I, you know, I haven't said it since like middle school, which is probably like the early to mid nineties for me. I want to say I heard but... it in an episode of Family Guy. It's just so ridiculous that it's hilarious it like I, I couldn't imagine someone actually taking offense to it i'm gonna bring that back i don't know if you can uh, uh, i mean you can try if you want to try it i might i might back you up on it i mean if you back me up on it uh. <laughs> all right i'll bring you a fucking i'll bring you a nice slice of fudge i mean it's it doesn't have to be a gay joke i mean i've sodomized a few women in my day well, that's horrible. <laughs> that sounds aggressive. We'll cut that out. <laughs> sodomy is just butt stuff. I mean, sodomy makes it sound really harsh. Though, when you... It does, but that's... Sodomy is like the legal term. That's, that's like what we would prosecute against you for. <laughs> you cannot be innocent of sodomy. You're only ever guilty of sodomy. <laughs> I'm going to leave that part in. We'll fuck <laughs> For the record, my legal opinion is that Micah is guilty of sodomy. All right, next character is Mormon Joe. Yes! He is. He's an optimist, a devout Mormon, obviously. He's a motivational speaker. He's a peaceful, rational, and paternal foundation for the group. He kind of yeah. holds everybody together for a while. The glue. He's like the marshmallow in the, in the Rice Krispie Square that is his whole group of men. Yeah! Which is to say that he is the, the the sticky white substance that holds them all together and those late nights at camp. 
Um, so then next up, obviously, can't make a Parker and Stone movie without Squeak. No, you can't. So I don't care what his name actually is in this movie, but he's Squeak forever. He's Squeak. He's Squeak, all right? So he's fucking Squeak. It's crazy. He is a young, enthusiastic boy. He is a voice of reason. He is an Asian slash Indian enthusiast. Yes. And a possible homosexual. I I mean, if you pretend it's a woman, I don't think so. I mean, you can pretend all you want. Hey, man, when I sodomize you, I think of a nice woman. All right, and then we have Mr. Miller, who is a stoic buzzkill. He's a butcher by trade. A little bit of a misbehavior. He has some very obvious man tits. Yeah, I was confused I, uh, by that. It took me half the movie to notice it, but then I realized, wait a minute, this guy has bosoms. At first I thought it was a gut, and then I realized they were breasts. Yeah, I think he was wearing one of those, like, prosthetic bras. That yeah, have, that's like, what I was thinking, too. I was in them. very confused by this. They never call attention to it. They never mention it or anything, but I think he was just doing it to be funny. Like, he just had that on the whole time. I'm all about it. Kind of like sure. the Native American scene. Like, the fact that they don't ever mention it is what makes it hilarious. Just you think there'd be a point where, like, he gets hit in the chest with an axe and, like, milk goes spraying no. everywhere? No, just let it be there. Yeah, let, let it be. Let the man have boobs. Well, also, noticeably, he refuses to sing. Considering that this is a musical, that really kind of... It establishes him as a very specific character. Yeah. He's a non-singer. Not much of a dancer, either. So, then we have Mr. Swan, who, uh, he's also a Mormon and a miner, just like many of these guys. He really enjoys snow in the building of snowmen. <laughs> Very big fan of the movie Frozen. Yep. Uh, well, I also want to point out that when my co-host says miner, he doesn't mean young boy. Um, as an occupation, he mines. Is there a, is there a Webster's definition of miner that doesn't involve, uh being a liability that we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, these are these are men who went into the mountains looking for gold. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, not children who are abducted at a bus stop. No. So he is, uh, as we said, he is a, uh, a snowman enthusiast and also an extremely talented tap dancer. Yes. Which he gets to show off at a, at a very specific scene in this film. And then uh, next up we have Frenchie, one of my favorite characters from the movie. He's a trapper. He's a scumbag. He's a horse coveter, a fur enthusiast, he's a cold-hearted animal murderer, and a music theory professor. Yes. Yeah. Anytime that uh, Frenchie was singing in the movie, it's actually Trey Parker's voice. Mm -hmm. But Frenchie is the voice of Butter's dad and obviously a few other voices in, in uh, South Park. He's also responsible for some of the better songs in the film. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I'd say so. So then, last but not least, we have Leanne, who is a beautiful companion, has striking long hair, almond eyes, a fluffy tail. She is Alfred's one true love, and she is an all-around good boy. Sure. And she, she's a fucking horse. She's a big fucking horse. And a metaphor. Yes. A Which we'll get to. A metaphor for the lost love of one Trayvon Parker. He was pretty heartbroken, so he turned his ex-fiance into a fucking horse which is hilarious the horse I, that would let anyone ride her yeah seriously yeah genius so now that we got all those characters out of the way how about we talk about a little bit of plot my friend let's get right into it 
Let's get into the fucking movie, man. I'm so excited to review this movie. Can I give you the, the a... opening splash screen? The crawl? Well, it doesn't really crawl. It just kind of sits there. But It sits there. All right, let me do this real quick because there's, there's a lot, but I don't want to belabor it. The film you're about to see was originally released in 1954, upstaged by the overwhelming popularity of Oklahoma. Its short-lived theater run was canceled, and Alfred Packer, the musical, soon fell into obscurity. The original negative, rediscovered just last year, has been painstakingly restored using state-of-the-art color-enhancing and computer reconstruction technology. The film's violent scenes have been edited out for your viewing pleasure. Wonderful. That was quick, right? That was so good. That was really good. What does your stopwatch say? 12 seconds. Okay, perfect. That's awesome. I, I like that. Yeah. Which is as long as you could hold your breath. It's about as long as it takes for me to uh, give a cert petition, too. It's about as long as it takes for me to suck off a cop. It's about as long as it takes me to come to a legal resolution with a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> You're more mature about it than me. Well, I am a lawyer. Oh, of course. As of the, the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's the thing we're going with now. I have a, I have a law degree in hand jobs. So uh, expect to hear that a lot more on this show, everybody. It's a new year. It's a new era. So we open with a flashback. Alfred Packer rips off a man's arm and beats him with it. He bites out another man's throat. He snaps somebody's fucking skull. He's ripping jawbones off. He's eating bodies. And we realize uh, that he's a cannibal amazing this opening scene of the movie really really grabs your attention and it is so gory with incredible prosthetics incredible special effects the cuts are great the gore is fantastic trey parker looks like a fucking wild man right here he breaks Matt stone's neck he rips out another guy's tongue it's man-eater mayhem just right off the bat we get this sweet just mountain gore scene yeah, dude, it's awesome. Yeah, it turns out it's all a flashback. Yep. Uh-huh. So we cut to a courtroom where the prosecutor is acting out all of this violent savagery hilariously. Hilariously. Um, he's, he's basically telling the story of Alfred Packer's cannibal incident right in front of everybody. He specifically mentions that he crossed state lines and murdered several people in cold blood. But Alfred basically looks right at the camera and says, that's not the way that it happened. And the crazy part about this scene, too, is that that is the actual courtroom where Alfred Packer was tried and convicted of his really? crimes. It's the actual courtroom. Yes. I thought it was just like uh, maybe a part of the university that he went to yeah, or something like that. It turns out they actually filmed the scene there. It's historically accurate. Dre Parker is an, like a huge fan of this legend. I mean, he'd have to be to make a movie out of it. He wrote many songs. I, I mean, the songs aren't all specifically referential to the story. No, he, he of course put not. a good deal of effort into immortalizing this legend. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I I didn't really look into it. I don't know if there's any other, uh, like, film based on Alfred Packer. Nothing I know of. If there is, it's not as good as this one. Correct. This is this is the story. This is the true story. This is exactly what happened. They sang. They danced. They poked a cyclops in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reality of it. This so, is the story of a girl. Suck some dicks and ate some faces because he's a fucking cannibal. No singing. When she cries. No singing. <laughs> no singing. I'm not going to listen to the show if you guys keep singing. Yeah, I've heard that from more than one <laughs> angry fan. Honestly, same. And you know what it is? It's because we're so fucking bad at singing. <laughs> 
That's what it comes really? down to. Oh, I'm off key as shit. I don't, you're probably a little bit better, but we don't sound good. I don't know. Those nights where you and I are shit buck hammered and we start screaming the misfits, I think well, we're pretty good. Well, that's the thing. We have to be blackout in order to harmonize correctly. Otherwise, it just doesn't oh, work. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, maybe it happens more often than we'd like to admit on this show. Yeah. We've had some complaints. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been in our cups. Yeah, so if you sing, I'm just going to leave. How about that? Sorry. Uh, ultimatum right here, right now. No singing. No singing. Okay. New Year's resolution. I'm just kidding. We'll definitely do that. So <laughs> this is where the title screen splashes in our faces, and we are treated to an overture medley of all the film's many amazing songs, one after yes. another. All the melodies, they all just... You know, give you a, a, just a nice kind of recap of what you're about to see. We'll elaborate on that a little bit later. But for now, we've got Polly Fry, who is the intrepid reporter, visiting Alfred in jail. She's looking for an interview and is sympathetic to his, uh, his plight. She uses her femininity to try and coax out his story. He's a little bit resistant at first, but he loses his shit when she mentions Leanne. You know Leanne? You know Leanne? Turns out she does. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was doing by mentioning her. So he opens right up and starts singing. That baked potato song. Spadoinkle. Spadoinkle, yes. It's a spadoinkle day. And I think um, the the line that you're referring to is the sky is as blue as a baked potato or something like that. My heart is as full as a baked potato. Yeah, I don't fucking remember. Something... They keep referencing a baked potato, and I, I they, love that. Did you say baked potato? Baked potato. <laughs> they compared the sun to a baked potato, his heart to a baked potato, and then there's more something about smelling a baked potato. And the whole time he's got that big stupid smile on his face, just loving life. Everything's great. Everything's spadoinkle. <laughs> The great thing about this is uh, Spadoinkle is hilarious and amazing is a, a word it is because this is um, supposed to be mocking like the Disney kind of thing. Like all those Disney songs that just have like nonsense words. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Alakazam and Alakaboo, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Exocalifragilisticexpialidocious. Exactly. So they, they went with Spadoinkle. He wrote this in the script just as a filler word. We'll work on that later. For now, it's just fucking Spadoinkle. I don't give a shit. Dude, when... I remember this one time when I was fucking my ex-wife. I came and I actually yelled out, Spadoinkle! You Spadoinkled her? I Spadoinkled her, and this is a fact. This isn't me being funny. Beautiful. One time I screamed Shia LaBeouf. Oh, okay. He was good in that movie, Holes. I think that might have been what you were referencing. Yeah, yeah I gave right? her a pearl necklace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he originally, uh, Trey Parker originally intended to add something better, like, you know, work on that. But when he showed the script to everybody with the Spadoinkle filler word, they were like, no, that's hilarious. We need to keep it. Spadoinkle is perfect. Keep it. It turns out they were right. because The uh, investors invested. This becomes a kind of a running joke throughout the whole thing where Spadoinkle just pops up. And it's funny every fucking time because Spadoinkle, like, who does? It's fun to say. Say it right now. Spadoinkle. 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 Listener, say it. Say it right now. Good. (laughs) I heard that. I I could hear Yeah, excellent. Um, Hold on. Little Larry Bird, you want to give me a little Spadoinkle real quick? Spadoinkle. Oh, you sexy motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> I hate you so much. 
Sexy motherfucker shaking that ass. So now we have uh, Leanne the horse, who was, I think we mentioned this earlier, he was named for Parker's ex-fiance, who cheated on him. Yes! Um, he, he put this horse in the film and named it Leanne, uh, specifically because this was the horse that anyone could ride. He was spurned by his lover, and he just, he had to get her back, and he had to immortalize the fact that she was, uh, in so many words, a cheating piece of shit. He wanted that in his film. And man, oh man, I am, it is. bet you she is kicking herself in her beaver right now. You know what the funniest thing about this, though, is? You will notice that the horse actually gets fatter as the film goes on. <laughs> he starts off as a relatively normal-looking horse, but... If you if you pay attention, she does get fatter and fatter and fatter throughout the film. And gassier. Yeah, this horse gets more and more disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, without further ado, Alfred comes upon some miners who are looking for gold. They're just doing their thing, just mining, being occupational miners with their pickaxes, not yeah, underage children. Mining their own business. Hmm. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they, they invite him to come along with them to Colorado Territory. They're looking for a guide. He's looking for a crew. They decide to team up. Well, they so, said that uh, Lucky Larry was going to be their guide, but then all of a sudden somebody gets dragged by in a gurney in flames. Turns out it's Lucky Larry. Yeah, he was lucky enough to get hit by lightning. Like a one in a million chance, usually. So I guess luck goes both ways, right? Hey, double L, man, what can I say? Yeah, he's burnt to a fucking crisp, and they are in need of a guide. So, Alfred fills that spot. They go through a quick kind of roster check where we're introduced to the rest of our main cast. Uh, Squeak speaks up. I don't actually remember what his name was in this, but he's fucking Squeak, always. It's Squeak. It's Squeak. Uh, He speaks up, and he tells his dad that he wants to go along. His dad's like, he's a little bit resistant, but he's like, you know, go, go fulfill your dream. Squeak's whole mission in this film is to get laid yeah he wants to meet a girl he wants to go fuck just like every other film that squeak is in i think he did the same thing in basketball basketballs yep same thing in orgasmo he's there to fuck he's squeak he's just a horny little guy he just is who he is and he's awesome matt stone's situation is the exact opposite he tells his dad uh hey i think i want to go with them and his dad's like yeah you definitely should you should get the fuck out of here you should leave I don't want to take care of you anymore. Neither does your mother. Go with these guys. Never come back. See, he basically lies to him. Like, myself and your brother will meet you there in the Colorado Territory. Yeah, we'll get a head start. Turns out we only have so much money and food to go around, and that does not include one extra son. So, uh, yeah, get moving. Go off with this, this gang of miners and try not to commit any specific crimes. Yeah. Yeah, so he fucks up. And we jump to four weeks later, where they are hopelessly lost near Provo, and everyone is demotivated. Well, it turns out it's because uh, the last time he did the trip, he was on horse. And no one else has horses, so they're stuck walking. Yeah, Christopher walking. Yep. It turns out Alfred is not the guy that he thought he was. Everyone's lost and demotivated. Just to get it out of the way, they meet our... Cliche, but necessary, Harbinger. Harbinger! That's right! And he straight up tells them that they're doomed! I warn you, you're doomed. Doomed! Doomed! You're doomed. Yeah. Doomed. Doomed. 
Turn back while you still can. You're doomed. You're all doomed. Thank you. Let's point this out again, okay? It's 1993, mm-hmm. and they're making fun of the Harbinger. This is so ahead of its fucking time. Yes, and also important to note is that this guy was such a shitty actor that this is not his voice. This is, once again, Trey Parker's voice. I guess this guy Amazing. was just a, kind of a pain in the ass to work with, and he just couldn't get the lines right. So Trey was like, you know what? I'm going to make this funny. Don't even worry about it. And that's why we get the amazing line, the repeated, doomed. Guys are doomed. Doomed. (laughs) And they're all just kind of. Doomed. They're just waiting and listening while he's just going, doomed. Oh, you're doomed. So I love that you you actually brought up this was one of the first conflicts on set, right? In the movie. I don't know if it was a conflict, but. uh, No, this is a major overdub. It turns out that actually throughout the production of this movie, there was nonstop fighting between the cast and crew. Probably because Trey Parker is fucking hilarious and he had a a very solid vision of how he wanted this to go. Yeah. And uh, I don't think they had much of a budget, so he just kind of had to hire who he could. Yeah. I kind of get it. I mean, these guys, especially when they do South Park, they kind of do everything. Yes. You know, like do like most of the voices and they seem to... I, I don't know what the word is, but they seem to generally enjoy having control over their comedy because they're I mean, like, we could, good at it. We could call them Nazis, but they know what they know, and they know what's going to be good or not. I wasn't going to go that far. Part of the reason why there were fights on set and a lot of issues is that it was actually filmed over spring break, and these are all college kids. They just want to drink, party, get fucking leg, laid Correct. and shit like that, but instead they're working on this low-budget musical and i think a lot of these actors were just kind of doing it as a favor to uh exactly to like i don't i don't, I don't think specifics. a lot of them were getting paid uh i mean the budget was one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. you're mainly paying for production equipment location uh, sets and shit like that you right. know you're not really going to be paying the actors uh anything other than catering so yeah there's going to be a lot of turmoil on set I mean, I've been on a few independent movies with low budgets where people do fight with each other because it's the whole, like, I called off work for this. I'm missing my kids fucking who gives a shit for this. My wife is pissed that I'm doing this shit like that. Yeah, independent movies are a pain in the dick to work on because you have to deal with people that have to throw in your face that they have a normal life and they're doing you a fucking favor. Shit's weak. It is. Well, it I'm, is. I'm, I'm sorry you neglected your wife and kids to become such a big star. Boom, there you go. <laughs> but the great thing about this is they had a low budget, but their sets, as you mentioned earlier, their sets were all kind of on location because they're in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. So they go to a general store, which I believe was the same general store that uh, Alfred Packer actually stopped in to buy granola before they went on this trip. Good job, Greg. Right? I actually just made that all up, but it turns out it is fucking factually accurate. Factually accurate. And this is where uh, Packer notices some trappers outside eyeing up his horse. And we don't mean those sweet-ass fucking gimmicks you used to take to school back in the 90s, the trapper keepers. No, the trapper keepers. They're just trappers. They always had some weird, like, 3D geometry on the covers. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, you get a 3D trapper keeper and uh, some yikes pencils okay did you have cool pencils when you were a kid 
Admit pool fans. I had a bunch of yikes. These trappers are very clearly indulging in the metaphor that is Alfred Packer's horse. Yes. And uh, they basically tell him, you ain't trappers, you're miners. And this is a this is a trapper horse. A miner can't ride this horse. This is where we get the first instance of Matt Stone doing the nice hat joke. Nice hat. Which reoccurs a little bit later. This man, the yes. trapper, I think it's it's not Frenchie, but it's one of Frenchie's henchmen. One of his Frenchmen. He's wearing a, a hat that's basically just like a badger, right? <laughs> it's like a full badger turned into a hat. He's got a, like a face with, and everything. With googly eyes. Yeah, and he just goes, nice, nice hat. hat. So these trappers basically warn them that there's a cyclops in the mountains. They depart and leave our main characters to fend for themselves. The uh, first time we hear about the cyclops. So our heroes camp for the night. Matt Stone makes some shitty food, which is hilarious because he professes to everyone that he is an amazing cook, which turns out not to be true. Yeah, but they uh, call him out on being a uh, compulsive liar. Yeah, this is where we learn that he's just full of shit with everything that he says. You son of a bitch, Humphrey. Squeak admits to everybody that he has a strong desire to uh, meet women. He just wants to fuck women. That's his entire motivation through this entire film. He doesn't so much care about finding the gold. He doesn't so much care about uh, tracking down Alfred's horse. He just wants to find some women and uh, get his D wet. And Squeak is about what? Five foot three? Honestly, I don't know his his actual... uh, He's a little guy. I don't know if he even breaks five foot, man. He might be in the high fours. I actually just recently watched basketball within the last year. Did you? Yeah, and you you can really tell how he compares to the the other characters in that one. Nice. I'd be willing to say he doesn't break five foot. You know what? He makes up for it with enthusiasm and uh, a strong libido. Can-do attitude. It basically defines him in every one of these films. this character, Squeak, Mm -hmm. the the actor, he's also a voice actor in South Park, right? I assume so. Isn't he the voice of Butters? He might be. Well, I'm just a little bit curious. I don't do a good Butters. I don't know. I actually, I don't know who does. I, I kind of assume that uh, Matt and Trey did like most of the voices, but there's definitely some that, that stand out as other characters. Yeah. I, don't, I actually don't even know Squeak's real name. I don't know the actor's name. You know what? I apologize. The voice of Butters is actually Matt Stone. Yeah, there you go. All right. I, I feel like go. they do They do pretty much They do the every fucking character <laughs> Do you know what the what Squeak's name is? Well, there's a Squeak, right? Yeah, Squeak. No, I mean, the actor though. No. Or like Phil Phil Squeakowski or something like that. I looked him up, and he actually is in a lot of uh, probably something really Italian. Does stuff for sure. Uh, Dan Batcher. Uh, let's see. So Squeak is actually in Cannibal the Musical, Time Warp, Orgasmo, Basketball, Galaxy Quest. He is in The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, the new version. He is the voice of fake Mr. Hanky in South Park. Nice. He's in The Man Show. Dude, he's in a lot of shit. And he's even in Nightmare Alley, which just came out. I've heard that's good. I heard that's good, too. Yeah. All right, but back to Cannibal the Musical. Well, we've got Mormon Joe assuring everybody that if they find the gold that they're looking for, little Squeak's going to be swimming in tits and ass in no time. 
this is where we go into our next song, which is That's All I'm Asking For. That's all I'm asking for. This is quite a catchy little ditty. It's a wonderful little song about Squeak just needing a little slap and tickle. You know what, man? He's just going out there and he just wants to get all that sweet, sweet Colorado gash. He's a young man out on his own for the first time, feeling the freedom of the mountains. Yes. And uh, surrounded by his best friends at a campsite in various stages of undress. Yeah. And he's only just a little confused. He's very horny. He's very bi-curious. But more importantly, he is young, dumb, and full of cum, just like me. Yep. And uh, this is where an ominous black cat crosses their path. Doomed! So when they wake up the next morning, turns out Leanne is missing. Because that cat had to do something, right? Yeah. But also so is all the food. So they're fucked. They no longer have uh, a horse, and they no longer have anything to eat. And when you're on a cannibal mission through the mountains... Turns out having no food is a little bit of a problem. Yes, they are effed in the A. They do the only thing they can think of, which is to head east, following Leanne's tracks, when Mormon Joe spadoicles himself into a bear trap near the Green (laughs) River. Oh, man, he got spadoicled so hard. And they try getting him out, and they spadoicle him even more. Yeah, which is exactly as suggestive as it sounds. Notably, they are... um, they're on the shores of the Green River, which some of you may remember as the location of a predominant serial killer in, I think, what was it, the early 90s? Help me out here with this. Late 80s, early 90s, the Green River Killer. I'm not aware of this one, Greg. Oh, well, this is for those of you who are out there who are true crime fans. Please send us an email. There was also a, a grunge band based on that name from the, the Seattle grunge scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, Temple of the Dog. Yeah, Uh, those guys. uh, It turned out that this Green River scene right here, so uh, they're trying to cross the river. Uh, It turns out there's a bridge either south or north. Packer doesn't exactly know where to go, so they have to cross right through the river itself. Uh, This scene is a lot of fun because it shows them uh, being uh, pushed down the river through rapids and shit like that. It turned out that uh, th- they actually got in a fucking river for this scene. They uh, they grab what supplies they can, try to run across the river like assholes, and naturally, they get fucked, and they drift south like 100 miles. But as far as the production goes, these guys actually jumped into a river to do this. Yes, they actually jumped into the fucking Colorado River, yeah. and they almost all fucking died. Yeah. Uh, it's not hypothermia. There's a number name, another name for it that's like, it's called cold snap, something along those lines where your body just goes into fucking shock. Yeah, it's also uh, a, a swiftly moving river, so you, you generally don't just want to jump into it. No, uh, moving water is, uh, uh, will fuck you up. You don't want to fuck around with that. I mean, it almost killed Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings. And that's fucking Lord of the Rings where you got a bunch of people uh, and professionals working on set with you. This is a low-budget fucking movie. I mean, there, there was a possibility that South Park, in another alternate dimension, these guys fucking died and South Park never happened. You know, there's also a scene in Lord of the Rings where one of the characters playing an orc actually threw a sword at Viggo Mortensen's face. He wasn't supposed to let go of it. But he fucked up. The stuntman actually launched the sword at his face. And the scene that you get, I believe it's in the first film, 
Uh, Vigo actually deflects it with his real sword that he's carrying like a badass, and they left it in the movie. Whoa, what yeah. a badass. Vigo Mortensen is kind of sweet. Dude, Vigo Mortensen fucking rules. Yeah, it turns out he's Aragorn in real life. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that, but he wasn't acting in that movie. You he ever actually... see Sir Promises? Yeah, yeah. He that movie rules. the shit out of a bunch of guys while fully nude in a bathhouse. Yeah. If you, are, if you ever me. wanted to see Vigo Mortensen's flapping nutsack while he spin kicks a bunch of Russian criminals... That's the film for you. It sure is. I can't even do it justice with my words. Shit, man. I want to watch Eastern Promises right now just based on your description. Yeah, the term flapping nutsack tends to entice you. I've, I've understood that over the years. It's not the term flapping nutsack. It's Vigo Mortensen's flapping nutsack is which okay. the selling point. That's fair. That's fair. I understand. So they cross the river. They strip down and make camp on the other side of the river. Uh, where they are starving yet aroused, and Matt remembers that he has some fudge. Yeah, he's got fudge. I've got fudge. You guys want some fudge? And uh, he offers uh, Packer some fudge. Yeah, it's fudge, Packer. Yeah, waka flocka. That's pretty fucking hilarious when you put I the two words together. I enjoy a good. I enjoy a good fudge packer joke. I tell I you mean, what. I don't. Uh, I didn't personally understand the reference, but I. I mean, people have told me that when those two words are combined, it's pretty hilarious. It's a good time. I tell you what, man. Fudge packer is that a thing people used to say? I don't even know. Sodomy o'clock somewhere, man. So, so they're all naked except for their little neck bandanas, which is hilarious. That is really funny, and that's and, where uh, Squeak uh, Squeak explains that uh, it's not so bad as long as you picture your partner a soft, warm, inviting woman. Correct. Meanwhile, he's jerking off, trying not to think of the men who are warming themselves next to him by the fire. Packer laments the loss of his horse with a song. And this is When I'm on Top of You, which is a touching, emotional love song about Packer's many missionary moments with Leanne. Yep. Which I think we can all relate to. You know what? Leanne had a lot of vanilla sex. Well, it's a horse. I mean, you really... There's only so much you can do with that. Yeah, horsey style. They're tough to maneuver around, is what I'm saying. You ever go to Arby's and get horsey sauce? You ever turn a bucket upside down so it's just the... Okay, I'm not going to go too far into that one. Weeks later, in Colorado Territory, they're all pissed about crossing the Colorado River, uh, which is, in fact, the biggest fucking river ever. Uh, they're all just bitching at Packer about his shitty guide skills. When they spot yep. a Native American on the ridge and they all just go prone. Like, all right, maybe they didn't see us. We're all just going to, you know, let's lay, lay, down lay down flat. And when they look back up, they are face to face with two Asians. Native Americans, Greg. Okay. 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 Just Greg, they were Native Americans. Two, two Native yeah. Americans. Matt Stone tries to talk to them, but it just ends up pissing them off, and uh, they're all taken back to their village. I think he's trying to interpret what they're saying, and I read uh, in some of the behind-the-scenes info here that the sign language he actually uses is kind of uh, hilarious, but also blasphemous. Wait, what? Oh, you didn't know about this? Oh, is it really? He specifically signs the words for Jesus Christ is dead. God is no way yeah i'm not making this up oh my god i never would have known that i i do not i don't interpret sign language turns out 
Matt Stone knows sign language and he wanted to fuck with the audience. So amazing. Good for you on that. Good. You know, you snuck a, a hilarious subversive joke in there when you could have just done nonsense. Love you. For Jesus it. Christ is dead. So they go back to this quote unquote native American tribes village. And they are told that this is the, I believe it's pronounced Nihonjin. Nihonjin. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nihonjin. Which very literally translates to Japanese people. Yeah. And uh, it turns out a lot of these actors are just Parker's classmates doing him a favor by being in this film. And being Uh, Asian. The guy who plays the chief actually owns a sushi bar in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And part of his, the, the arrangement for him to be in the film was that he would provide free sushi to Parker and all the other actors. So they had a whole Which arrangement. Which is absolutely wonderful, and he did a great job. Oh, he's one of the funniest characters in the movie. <laughs> he keeps referring to them as assholes. And they're like, we're from Utah. Utah. <laughs> Utah. And he's like, there's a couple other assholes like you staying in our camp already. So why don't you assholes come with us? Look at all the teepees. And they're Look just at like, all our teepees. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just like, all right, I guess we'll go with it. Um, but it turns out, yeah, yeah, when he's referring to the other assholes, who he's talking about are the trappers. Frenchie yes. and his crew. They're here too, and they are waiting out a storm in the Native American village. So while we're here, Squeak decides to take a liking to a young, quote-unquote, Native American girl. And uh, he just kind of, he walks up to her. When he first sees her with his thumbs in his belt loops, and he just goes, yep, 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 looking from side to side, waiting for her to say something, and she doesn't. So he just kind of turns and moves along. Like, way to go, Squeak. He did all right. I feel like we've all been there at some point. Yep, 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 yep. Like you're on a you're on like a blind date with somebody or even like a oh, first dude. Date and you realize like this is not going to work. Like we're we're not going anywhere here. So you just kinda you yep, 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 yep your way yep, out of the check yep, 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 and yep. <laughs> just kinda walk out the back door while she's sitting there still eating. You hear the tires peel out and uh she's still just there, yep, 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 in her way into the bill. Yep, 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 yep. If you ever hear those words, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, that means you're about to pay for dinner. Yeah, yep, yep. They all uh, they all walk through the campsite and they meet the other assholes, which happen to be the trappers. And that's where the trappers break out into one of the more hilarious songs in the movie. Yo ho, yo ho, yo ho, yo ho. You didn't you didn't yo ho when you were supposed to yo ho, and now we have a problem. I know. God damn it. Do it again. Hold on. Where do we where do we leave off? The song. So the scumbag trappers taunt Packer for losing his horse, and they say a trapper horse can't spend her whole life with a digger. And this is where we get the second instance of the nice hat. Nice hat. Nice hat. From Matt Stone, which fucking great. Keep it up. And it also pisses everyone off in the group. Well, you said this one was overdubbed by Trey Parker, also. Yes, it turned out that uh, Frenchie can't sing, so uh, Trey Parker did the singing for him, and it was uh, it was dubbed over. And you can kind of tell just because of the inflection of the song, where he's like, 
I rip their fur and I cut them with my knife. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Yes. Like, <laughs> just the way he pronounces words. I think Trey Parker might be way ahead of his time. Even though this was 93, I think the world is still waiting to understand his, uh, his approach to song. Totally ahead of his time. It's not just the singing, the fucking, uh, the dance moves to this song are great, too. Yeah, this is one of the funniest songs in the in the whole movie. Um, but they stop short and argue about music theory. That's what made it so good, too. Yeah. And this goes on forever. This is like a Letterkenny gag. Yeah, they, they get real specific about relative minors and... Uh, a minor, B minor, C minor, C sharp. And they go, like, really deep into this. The funny thing is they're totally full of shit, too. Like, none of what they're saying is actually what? accurate. Yeah. None of it's real. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I know a little bit about music theory. I, I think they're bullshitting a lot of this. This was bullshit? Most of it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not all accurate. This is when, when Packer notices Leanne's feed bag is here. And he yes. starts, uh, starts to get a little suspicious of where his horse might be. So, so this could play off in real life to where Trey Parker actually found his uh, fiance's panties in another guy's room. Yes, so he accuses Frenchie of, uh, let's say, stealing his horse. Yeah. To which Frenchie reacts, you calling me a liar? And he's just like... Yes. <laughs> so, naturally, Frenchie kisses him with his fist, tells him to fuck off out of his space. Yeah. He punches Mormon Joe. He punches everybody. He punches them all, man. He makes a solid statement with his knuckles. Yes, and, he does. Uh, with that, we're back to the courthouse. In the present day, the judge is finding Packer guilty and sentences him to death by hanging. Everyone cheers, and uh, our, our prosecutor, Mr. Binger, decides to take this moment to hit on Polly Pry. Yeah. And is rightly rejected for being a penis. At this point, you know, Polly Pry has a love interest in uh, Trey Parker's character. That's what they're going for, yeah. Also, I love how the, the courtroom was up in applause over uh, uh, Packer's sentencing and the fact that they were actually throwing, like, tomatoes and shit at, uh, at Packer. Oh, yeah, this is an old-school courthouse. This I a... love that. That was a, a great, great old gag, very Looney, Looney Tunes-like. Well, I think... Um... Part of that is actually historically accurate, where one of the people actually threw a tomato at him in the courthouse. Uh, wait, really? I think that's on record, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. This movie is really deep. Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the interesting parts about it, is that they actually paid attention to the real historical details of it. Amidst all of the comedy and all of the ridiculousness, they actually included a lot of the real history behind it. And yeah. apparently it is, a, it is a historical fact that somebody threw a tomato at Alfred Packer when he was sentenced. That's wonderful. I, I don't know if it was an old woman. I don't know who actually did it, but someone did. I guess that was common practice back then. You always see it in films, like people throwing cabbages and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to do that one day. Just, like, bring a cabbage to a courthouse. <laughs> and then when you hear the sentencing, you just get to toss it at, at the, the culprit. Well, I, I love when, like, Danny DeVito in Batman Returns, Oswald Cobblepot, where they, like, revealed that he was a piece of shit, yeah. that everybody in Gotham just happened to have, like, tomatoes with them. Yeah, they just, they just brought them along. Like, they just yeah. ready to go. I mean, 
when a crowd agrees that a man is a piece of shit, he gets assaulted with vegetables. That's just how come nobody throws vegetables at Biden or Trump or anybody? Why isn't this a thing anymore? I would love to see it. And nobody threw fucking rotten vegetables or fruit at Obama, but but, were, but um, somebody threw somebody threw a shoe at George Bush. That was awesome. And they were doing milkshakes for a little bit. Because right? they bring all my boys to the yard. Yeah, like wasn't wasn't that a real thing? Like they were throwing milkshakes at, at political figures for a minute. Fucking French. Yes, if you want to hear more of our French accents, check out our f- review of Frontiers. Episode 17 or the episode we put out last week. Easily two of our best episodes. Probably. Yep. So, we have Polly Pry pontificating the innocence of Alfred Packer. And she is wondering how a gentle man could be guilty of such heinous crimes. So, of course, she goes into a little bit of a love song. This is one of my least favorite songs in the movie. I didn't even write down the name of it because nobody cares. It's just to show that she's fallen for him. She's sympathetic. Yeah. you know. They needed some filler. It's like if uh, you're watching South Park and it's an episode where Wendy Testaberger sings a song. Like, no one's going to fucking yeah. remember it. This is very, like, movie tropish. This is, you know, this is there for the plot. It's not yeah. It's not part of the actual story. It's not part of the actual history. This is just a movie thing. And it's not, got to be honest, not the best song in the movie. So, who cares? Let's get back no. to the Native American village. Where yes. there are some hilarious things going on. We've got the Indian chief telling Packer that the trappers just took off. And Squeak is hitting on an Asian child, telling her that he's a sensitive artist. <laughs> but he also completely strikes out. That's interesting. Yeah, she just keeps saying the same words over and over to him. He catches I on at a certain point. Yeah, with my hands. He's trying to tell her that he's, you know... It's more to me than meets the eye, baby. I'm a little bit of a transformer, if you get what I'm saying. You know, I seem like uh, I seem like I'm rugged on the outside, but I'm more than meets the eye. Meets. He emphasizes meets. And she just keeps responding with, That's and yeah, it turns out she doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. Nope, because they are from two very different cultures, and uh, he seems to have a little bit of a fetish. For Sorry, her. Squeak. Not this time. Not today, Squeak. She's also like 10, so gray area there. But our crew of heroes decides that they're going to follow the trappers into the mountains. Partially because they want that horse back, and partially because uh, they think they're going to find some gold. Yeah. At this point, Alfred is just leading them on a wild goose chase because he just he wants Leanne back. Yes. The chief gives them a little bit of food to take with them. And also a little bit them. of advice. Yeah. And what's that advice? Beware of the Cyclops. Yes. The fearsome Cyclops. The Cyclops has been built up. So naturally, they proceed and get lost in a canyon, which seems to be a little bit of a theme at this point. And Mormon Joe reveals that his leg is now completely fucked by infection from the bear trapping he received from the Green River Killer. Oh, because his day couldn't get any worse. Yep. So they're now just wandering aimlessly and lost in the Rocky Mountains. They're all losing their minds. They're all demotivated, uh, thinking of mutiny. They're all just getting fucking sick of this shit. When uh, Squeak sees a sheep, and uh, he starts taking off his belt in anticipation. They're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to eat it. He's like, what? I just have to pee. So as they argue about who's going to kill the sheep, uh, they are surprised by the Cyclops from behind. 
Here he is! Finally! After all the buildup, we have the Cyclops, and this might be the best part of the fucking movie. At long last, we get a reveal of the Cyclops that we've heard so much about. And what does he say to our main cast of heroes? You looking at my eye? Are you looking at my eye? And then it starts squirting pus all over them! They're spewing nasty, foamy pus. And one of the funny things here, a little bit of behind-the-scene information, this was actually created with cream soda. Wonderful. Yeah, the absolutely wonderful. The grossness of the eye is cream soda. So it's gross but delicious. Yep. And that's like the best of both worlds right there. And also, I absolutely love the comedy genius of Trey Parker uh, because he had everybody's uh, standing shoulder to shoulder and their response is like uh, uh, Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. Ah! He decides to test them a little bit. He's like, you the boys been killing all my sheep? You ain't union boys, are you? Where are you from? Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Nashville? Nashville. <laughs> and uh, they're they're trying to fake that they're, they're a couple of southern boys just so this Cyclops won't, I'm assuming, rape and eat them. Uh, and this is where the Cyclops, the Cyclops starts singing. He's, uh, he's like, well, it's good to be around some good southern boys. Good southern boys. Well, I wish I was in the land of cotton. Old ties there are not forgotten. Look away, look away, look away, look away. And then we zoom in on Matt Stone, who improvises the line, you stupid yank. Damn yank. (laughs) (laughs) This just gives it all away. You ain't Southern boys. And they frantically Benny Hill run away and end up hopelessly lost in the mountains where Mr. Swan is clearly going insane. Yes. Thankfully so, because we get another one of the best songs in the whole fucking film, which is Let's Build a Snowman. The Snowman! We can make him tall, or we can make him not so tall. He's fucking, he's tap dancing in a snow hole. (laughs) We could name him Bob, or we could name him Beowulf. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible. I love this song. Um, It's a great fucking song. It's a great fucking scene. The tap dancing part is amazing. Also of note, at this point in the film, you may have noticed that everyone is now wearing fake beards. Yes. <laughs> just to show the progression of time. Yes. Um, like, they didn't even try to make it look real. They're just the shittiest fake beards ever. And I think on set, all of the actors were complaining about how, like, itchy and terrible they were. Yes. But the whole point was they're not supposed to look good. Like, they were just trashy, crappy fake beards. Yeah. And it just adds to the comedy of it. That is, is great. So now that they've escaped the Cyclops... They've had their snowman experience. Uh, They are camping again for the night. And this is where they're starting to get a little bit desperate. They decide, like most cannibal stories, to first eat their shoes to stay alive. They're trying to keep their spirits high, so they discuss how funny this is going to be in retrospect. Not all of them. It was mainly uh, Swan. Yeah, Swan still has uh, that enthusiastic... Mormon attitude. It's Mormon probably mormon right the word you're looking for is very fucking mormon i i greg since i've moved out west i cannot tell you how much i can't fucking stand mormons you have you met joe smith yet yeah a couple times what's he look like in real life 
Uh, he looked like the fucking asshole at Walmart. I went to Walmart to get some fucking Ashkawaga and apple cider gummies. Oh, you too. And uh, I brother comes up to me and starts fucking preaching about uh, Mormons, peace, peace offerings, Mormonism bullshit. And I looked at the dude and I'm just like, dude, oh, like, I'm just here on to... Earth like that kind of bullshit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, dude, I'm just here to get some fucking vitamins. Please leave me alone. You know, some of us are accepting of other human beings. Some of us aren't. It's, it's up to you. And then I say, then I said, give me your cell phone. Look up Dan That Scary, and I hit subscribe and handed it back to him. Did you really? Yes. That's incredible. No, I really did. This is a fact. <laughs> I said, give me your phone. I went to his Spotify account. I looked this up, and I hit uh, fucking follow. Did you get huh? his name? Yeah, John Smith. Can we shout him out? Yeah, hey, John Smith. Hey, John Smith, thanks for the pamphlet. At the the Reno Walmart or wherever. You yeah. Are. Also, I hope that uh, religion's working out for you. I'm sure it's doing great. How are your many many wives? Yeah, tell me about all your fucking wives. It's probably fun. Dude, I had one and it was a nightmare. <laughs> I can only assume that Wednesday sucks, right? Like that's a, nobody. Like if you're the Wednesday wife. Yeah, your husband's just exhausted at that point and fed up with the other wives. Nobody cares about Wednesday. No. If you're, uh, you know, first string, you're probably like Friday or Saturday wife. Yeah, right. Uh, this is my, uh, this is my Mormon many wives bit. This. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like it? I'm still, I'm still working on it. It's not even like fun. Like they're not like. There, there, there are no like orgies or anything like that. No, it's one it's, at a time. It's one at a time. Yeah, and while while one is getting humped, the rest of them are like washing clothes and like the the old time like washboards i'm pretty sure it's a a ryan reynolds shows up to the house and they just wash their clothes on his abs i might just be uh i might just have an inadequate view of what mormonism is but i picture it as a mix between like amish and uh scientologist yeah that's about right it's like halfway between the two right i think that's accurate yeah because joe smith was kind of a spaceman yeah, just like Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Why does Jeff Bezos have a religion at this point? I think he kind of does. Well, I mean, to an extent. You see pictures of Jeff Bezos without a shirt on? Who's the fuckface that owns uh, Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg absolutely has a religion. Yeah, it's called Meta. I don't think people understand that they're actually, like, members of it. But he's, yeah. he has acolytes. Facebook is terrible. You should all get off Facebook. Get off of Facebook. Where were we in the plot of this movie? Mormons. Oh, Mormon. Uh, oh, oh, they're at the, the campfire. While they're camping the... for the night, Matt Stone actually pops off his hat to reveal the prototype for the old Kyle Broflovsky Hebrew hair gag. Yes. We're all huge fans of. Excellent fucking callback to that, dude. Yeah, we've all seen it so many times on South Park, but this might have been the first one. It's uh, it's in real time. It's in real life. Yeah, and uh, it is uh, it's a classic. It's a killer. I actually, I I watched Cannibal the Musical with my stepmom, who is sixty nine years old, and she actually <laughs> laughed her. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> she actually laughed her ass off to that scene. Yeah, of course she did. Yeah, she loved it. Good stuff. Is she a fan of South Park? Yeah, actually. Good. Yeah. So the next day, they trudge through the snow. Swan goes crazy with song, and uh, long story short, they shoot him in the head. They shoot him in the fucking head. He's got to die. 
Yep. They're sick of his shit. They don't want snowmen. They don't want to fucking deal with him, uh, with his positivity, with his optimistic attitude. They shoot him right in the face. He's done. Everyone's a little bit shocked, but they're like, you know what? Desperate times call for desperate measures. So, yeah. that night at camp, the Donner Party is mentioned. Yes, finally. And this is ominous. Because they're starting to draw parallels between themselves and other notorious cannibals from history. And yep. I have to say, they very quickly decide to cannibalize. Does not take it didn't long. take much. And since they have a butcher in their midst, they tell Miller to start some butchering. Yeah, go and butch! They all gaze hungrily as he cuts into some butt meat, and before long, they're chowing on some ass. Yeah, except for Matt Stone, who doesn't want to eat that ass. Yeah, he's, uh, Give me something else. You know, if you're not going to eat some ass, you're going to you're just going to go hungry, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So, Packer falls asleep and has a odd Twin Peaks-esque ballet dream with a very obvious stunt double. Oh my god, it's so Twin Peaks-like. Right? Um, I love that you mentioned that. He's interrupted by trappers. He gets stabbed. It's a whole fucking thing. But then he wakes up, and uh, the next day, he realizes that he has been following Leanne instead of going to their actual destination. And it's like, yeah, okay. kind of a big fuck up on his part. In my fucking uh, view, he got everybody fucking killed because of that. Well, yeah, it was sort of his mission from the beginning, and they made it just, obvious. Yeah, just to go after Leanne. He might be the last one to actually realize it because I think everybody else knew. Yep. He sort of realizes that the Spadoinkle is lost among his comrades. <laughs> None of them have that little spark in their eyes anymore. None of them have that exuberance. The Spadoinkle is dead. Uh, Morel is at an all-time low. And uh, they all kind of mumble a shitty reprise of the All I'm Asking For song. As they lay there, yeah. malnourished and freezing in the snow. And they're all just like, It's all I'm asking. These guys rule. Yeah. So, in their desperation, they decide that they have to sacrifice someone so that the rest may live. And uh, Packer smartly just says, you know what? You guys are doing that. I'm going to go ahead and scout out a trail. You guys can figure out who's going to die, who's going to eat who. <laughs> Don't I'm, eat anybody while I'm gone. Yeah, I'll be back. Figure your shit out. Naturally, when he comes back, he walks into a scene of just absolute bloody carnage. Everyone has been bludgeoned to death. Mormon Joe has gone full-on feral. Yep. And uh, here we have a fucking showdown. They fight. It's kind of oh, like, this is great. It's kind of like the um, like the Family Guy, like chicken fight kind of thing, where uh, kind Pat of Packer just keeps beating the shit out of Mormon Joe. Over and over again. He cleavers him in the face. He shoots him in the skull. Pokes his body over and over with a knife. Finally, yep. he bores him in the eye. But Joe just keeps on coming. He's just, he does, he will not die. And it's fucking hilarious. Eventually, he, he gets him for the last time. And he puts him down. But he just keeps coming back and coming back. It was, uh, yeah, knife to the eye, stick to the eye, uh, pickaxe to the chest. I feel like there was something else in there. He, he shot just, him at least, uh, at least once in the head. He shot him once in the head, yeah. Just kept coming. 
And that's where he goes to, uh, what was it, Scarsboro, Scarsgard, whatever the fuck that town is. Sawetch. 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 I don't Sawage. actually know how to pronounce that. Sawetch. Sawetch. Yeah, he went to Sandwich. Yeah, he went to Sandwich and he told everybody in town there that he was waiting for the rest of his party. Yeah. And that he got lost from his party. And yep. the rest of the party will be there in town eventually. Coincidentally, he runs into Leanne and his trapper friends. Oh, does he now? And he is disappointed to see that Leanne has left him for Frenchie. And this is a not-so-subtle metaphor at this point. Bingo! And the fact that he actually finds Frenchie on top of Leanne after this whole fucking ordeal earlier in the movie where uh, Packer explains that nobody else can ride Leanne except for him. Brilliantly foreshadowed by the earlier song, When I Was On Top Of You. Now, Frenchie is on top of her. So fuck you, Frenchie. Alfred decides to go to a saloon and drown his sorrows like a man. He's, uh, pounding back shots, just killing his emotions with alcohol like you do sometimes. Like what men do. When a sheriff busts in all drunk and says, We found the remains of your friends, Alfred. You lied to me. You're a fucking cannibal. Yep. And that's a problem. For society, because we have certain rules where you don't just fucking eat other people. You don't go up in the mountains so, and debate. You don't. You don't eat people. He was licking me. You got licked. Sick man outside. Sick man outside. So this causes a brawl in the bar where Alfred gets punched probably like a hundred times by every patron in this place. Every now, single person right before in the bar this scene, him. Greg. There's actually a rap song that took place here called Shatterproof. Oh. Okay. Uh, I, apparently, it's a really good rap song, and it's the only rap song of the movie, oh. but they cut it out because it made Packers seem too tough. I don't know if, I don't know if rap really fits the, the, the motif of this whole film. No, it does not. It doesn't, but I guess it wasn't the fact that it was a rap song. It was the fact that it made Packer seem like too much of a hard ass. Because he's singing. Just fighting people and kicking ass in the butt. Yeah, he was rapping about being like shatterproof and stuff. And it was, it had a lot to do with his heartbreak with Leanne. And yeah. now that he's like hardened and stuff like that. I mean, he takes then, a uh, lot of hits in this scene. He takes a lot of hits. But. He also gives him back. He beats on Frenchie's genitals for a while, and then he flees, tragically leaving Leanne behind. But this leads to one of my other favorite gags of the movie, the scene where everybody is leaving the bar to go after Parker, but it's that continuous circle. I love that so much. That's such a fun gag. Oh, it's it's beautiful camera work. Just a fine filmmaking. Very Monty Python. Absolutely. As history tells, Alfred Packer is eventually apprehended in Wyoming, where he gives himself yes. up because, in his own words, Wyoming sucks, and I didn't want to stay there. And you know what? It kind of does. Yeah. I've never been to Wyoming, but I trust the word of a, of a mountain cannibal. Yeah, part of Yellowstone National Park is in Wyoming, which is beautiful, but the rest of Wyoming sucks. Yeah. And uh, this is where we get our final song, which is Hang the Bastard. Oh, great song. Yeah, they're all, uh, they're stringing them up. 
this is we we get to really experience the bloodlust of the old west where everyone just wants to see a good old hanging this is better well, than a the, movie on a friday night well they didn't have movies then that's that was their form of entertainment it was that they had way better than banging your wednesday night wife this yeah is, uh, this is a good old hanging on a friday you know what else is better than uh, I, I th- fucking watching a hanging or whatever? It, it, fucking, I'd rather go to. Oh God, I cannot say this right at all. I would rather go to a fucking public execution than watch that fucking Matrix movie, Greg. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! I like they you. didn't. They didn't even have fucking movies then. They had, like, the Bible. They didn't even have regular literature. It was like, hey, we're going to read the Bible, and then we're going to read the fucking Bible again, and then, I don't know, probably fuck some chickens, because that's all they fucking had to do. I don't know, fucking uh, fight a cow. I don't know what the fuck you did back in the day, but if there was a public execution, you were front fucking row for that shit, because that was a good time. That was a slice of Americana, Greg. Be honest, Revelations is actually pretty entertaining. What? If I had to pick a section of the Bible to read for entertainment, I'd go with fucking Revelations. Okay, that's the only good part of the Bible. The rest of the Bible is absolute fucking dog shit. Did you know that there are um, deleted scenes from the Bible? Yes. So actually, like, basically the, um, the entire young life of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like, it goes from, like, what? Like, he was, like, 16, the next thing you know, he's 40? Yeah. Well, no. There, I mean, he goes from a baby to, like, 40. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some um, there's some actual documented, uh, like, written word about 10-year-old Jesus where he fucks with other kids. And he's a dick. Was, yeah? Yeah. He, uh... <laughs> I, the one that I remember, I, and don't quote me on this, because I'm just kind of, I'm just sort of, like... You know, I'm not an expert, but I do remember reading this. There's there is a story where young Jesus is like running a race with another boy, and the other boy trips him. Uh, uh, so Jesus falls down, and when he stands up, he basically like he like channels the wrath of God in his fucking eyes, and he goes, "Because you have knocked me down, so you too shall fall." And he like murders the other kid. Just for, what? Yeah, for like cheating or like knocking him down in this race. So uh, he's like the fucking kid from Brightburn? Yeah, like there's there's a reason why they cut this stuff out of the, I think it was the King James version they removed it. Like okay. Um, but yeah, young, like like little kid Jesus is an asshole. He like abused his power. He, uh, he used his, uh, his son of God status to just totally fuck with other kids his age. Well, that explains why they cut that shit out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They removed a lot of that. All right. Yeah. Packer, he's up on the fucking, uh, the, the, the hangman's thing. He's got a noose around his neck. They're about to fucking drop him. And then, bam, who comes to the rescue other than Polly Pryor herself? Jesus Christ. Superstar. She shows up and she says, I've got an important document in my hands. And I think she has, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the actual issue is here, but it's something jurisdictional. You're a lawyer, you should know this shit. All right, so she says, Alfred Packer didn't give the appropriate hand jobs to the jury during this trial. They did not receive the righty when they should have had the lefty. Ah, that makes more Which sense, thank you. Which we all know, the, old, the lefty is technically the Canadian righty. 
So she's got a, a piece of paper here that does not have the, the correct uh, signature from Righty Judge. So then after all of this, uh, Frenchie decides to get up and he's like, no, we're going to kill the bastard, right? But then all of a sudden the Native American chief who uh, was oh, the owner of a sushi bar, he pops up with a katana, cuts uh, uh, Packer loose and lobs the head off of Frenchie. Which is an absolute wonderful scene. And the crowd, they nod their heads in unison and go, you know what? Sure, we didn't get ourselves a hanging, but we got a pretty okay beheading. We, we still saw somebody die, so that's important. Yeah, Kill Bill style. Yeah. At this point, Leanne returns with a big blubbery fart. And <laughs> Packer just kind of gives her away to the chief. He's like, you know what? I'm done with this fat horse. I don't need that in my life. And the chief goes, are you sure you don't want the horse? Yes, I don't want the horse. And the chief decides to go and murder the horse. Yeah, he's just, he, you know, he fucks his death or something. It's know. absolutely wonderful. And then, um, I guess Polly and Alfred get married and everyone lives happily ever after. Like, that's the fucking end. Awesome. Great. Hey, there that's you go. That's great, great man. Dude, I fucking spadoinkled so hard during this movie. <laughs> One of the other things, too, is that uh, I talked about the rap song Shatterproof that was cut out of the movie. There was also another rap song. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not a rap song. There was another song cut out that was at the beginning of the movie with the miners, and that was actually cut due to time. It was called Don't Be Stupid, followed by Limp, Bri Limp Brisket Break Shit. <laughs> 1998, when Troma finally released the movie on DVD, mm -hmm. as an extra feature, they actually had a live performance of uh, Cannibal the Musical. Hell yeah. uh, there are still off-Broadway shows of Cannibal the Musical today, which is actually still going on, which is phenomenal, and I would love, I would absolutely love to take you to someday, Greg. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, that would be absolutely great, but I mean, who fucking knows in this it, day and age? It better be off-Broadway, though. I'm not, I'm not into that on-Broadway No, I don't like on-Broadway. I like a nice yeah. off-Broadway, you know what I'm saying? Wink, what wink, say, say no more. No, no. Yeah, the off-Broadway is where they're, they just, like, perform naked. I absolutely love this fucking movie. I love that its, uh, its distribution is by Troma. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I love Trey Parker. I love Matt Stone. I love South Park. I love everything these guys fucking do. Everything they touch is gold. There's no tits in the movie, but that's okay. We didn't fucking need it. The movie is hilarious. Check it's out Orgasmo gory. if you want to see this movie with tits. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the movie is fucking great with a fucking low budget of $125,000 to be as timeless as... This movie is fucking timeless. The humor holds up. It's a good fucking movie. I'm going to give this four and a half scaries out of five. I took half a scary off because at some point in the movie, I feel like we should have seen some tits. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. Not enough tits, but still incredible. Uh, Got to give it the five out of five, though. Because Beautiful. It's, it might be one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, yeah. This actually might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Oh, really? But yeah, I, I first saw this, I want to say, late 90s. It was hilarious then. It's hilarious yeah. now. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, the music is competently written. I mean, yes. 
this is not bullshit music. Like this is an actual musical, much like the South Park movie is an actual, like well written musical. Yep. Got some nice low budget gore effects, some practical effects. Just that that South Park style of humor that does not get old. So five out of five scaries. There you go, man. There are a few issues with pacing, but we'll just talk chalk oh, that up to ev- we'll chalk that up to everyone just being an amateur. That's this is all. about as close to a perfect trauma film as you can get. Oh, for trauma? Absolutely. Yeah. If you like trauma, this is the best one. Love the movie. And you know what? This concludes Maneater Part 2. Because we went two months with Maneater shit. And uh, come January, I think we're going to do something new. We're going to do something fun. We're going to have a new fun theme for you. Uh, and then followed after that, uh, for the future of Damn That Scary, we are going to go back to some of our old themes with some new movie reviews. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up in 2022, which you're ready includes... For revelation. And uh, also, we are going for, for 2022. Uh, this is technically... Go- we're going into year three right now. Possibly some bloodlines involved. Yeah, we're probably going to go Bloodlines. We're going to uh, do some new fun stuff. We're going to interview some actual celebrities uh, for the new year. And uh, we are just going to, we're really going to take this far, baby. Stick around. My cat is going to make an appearance. He actually, he can talk. He's an actual speaking animal. He's going to be on the show. Oh, Gizmo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that cat, that cat's got a great voice. Great voice for radio. promises here at the end of 2021. So what do you got? You want to love each other? Yeah, suck a cop's dick. I might have to on the way home tonight. And more importantly, keep keep it spooky. Well, you still can. Thank you. Damn, that's scary.